This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. Recently on our show, Jerry, in his best vision casting to date, forecasted the five major things the Food Bank Network in Michigan needs to accomplish that would help propel our state to the next level of food security. I shared there would be a price to be paid, a sacrifice to be given, and a commitment to be shared. So who has to pay this price or sacrifice or be more committed? And what would it mean? Why does it matter? And what would be the value of this price, sacrifice, and commitment? These are questions that no longer dangle at the edge of our minds, but have come front and center to our work. Vision is about the idea of a better tomorrow. And specifically to us at the Food Bank Council of Michigan, it is when Michigan becomes a food secure state. During these dastardly days of COVID-19, we've learned a lot about ourselves, our work, and our impact, and about what others are doing. Abundant resources have flowed to our state in the form of food assistance with SNAP, pandemic SNAP, unemployment benefits, school meals changing their model to grab and go, and our network distributing an average of almost 5 million pounds of food each week. The effect of these efforts and how we worked in public-private partnerships is what Jerry, me, and our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, had in mind when she came on the show as candidate Whitmer, and we brainstormed the idea of a food security commission. While we have vast area for improvement, especially on how we get the needed programming the last mile to the residents of Michigan who need it most, we did work together. Today, a new young leader in this work of addressing food insecurity is our guest, Alex Canepa, Policy Director for the Fair Food Network based in Ann Arbor and a member of the Governor's Food Security Council. Alex joins Jerry and me to share his unique perspective about the possibilities of a better tomorrow here in Michigan when we become a food secure state. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson joins me here on our Zoom call and studio. Jerry, nice to see you. You're wearing some nice Food Bank Council of Michigan swag this morning. All for you, Doctor. Just a testament to uh, the great work that you're doing at the Food Bank Council and how much it's helping all us food bankers. So proud to wear it, my friend. Proud to wear it. Well, thank you. It's a great. Well, speaking of, uh, of, of great partnerships and opportunities, Alex Canepa joins us from uh, the Fair Food Network and also a member of the Governor's Food Security Council. So, Alex, this is your first time on the show. We'll see how it goes on, uh, on, on whether you get to come back or not. But, no, really, <laughs> it's great to have you with us all the way from Texas, uh, now in Michigan. So, welcome to Food First Michigan. Thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me. I, um, uh, it's an honor to hang out with you guys, and I'll, I'll try not to waste my probationary period as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we are an award-winning show, you know, so hopefully it's uphill. You know, it's, it just kind of 
you know, stays a level. No, we're happy to have you. Thanks. You're going to bring a great perspective to today and to this work we're all committed to. Um, so tell us, let's start um, by telling your story. Um, I mentioned Texas. Uh, so uh, you start wherever you want to start and uh, let's, let's get a picture of Alex. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I used to work in Texas uh, on state food security policy there for an organization called the Sustainable Food Center. Um, and in Texas, we were adopting something that we call the Michigan model, which is um, adopting programs like Double Up Food Bucks. And for some of your listeners who might not be familiar with the program, Double Up Food Bucks lets people who have bridge cards double the value that they have on that bridge card to buy fresh fruits and vegetables. And that's really good because um, farmers benefit uh, when more people are buying fruits and vegetables here in Michigan. Um, and it also makes us a lot healthier. Um, so I was really inspired by that program um, uh, when I was in Texas researching it in Michigan. And so we brought it um, to Austin. Um, and then I met a, uh, it turns out that the most um, uh, interesting, intelligent, beautiful women in the world are from Michigan. Uh, and I met one of those in, in Texas. And, uh, and she made it pretty clear that when it was time to start thinking about putting down roots and raising a family, there was only one state where that was going to be in the cards, and that was Michigan. Uh, and so that was about a year ago. Um, and so then we you know, had to begin the transition of, of uh, you know, looking for looking for work here, looking for a place to, to live. Um, and so I was lucky enough to have a farmer friend in Texas um, bring me on uh, for a year. Uh, and I worked on his organic farm, uh, raising tomatoes for the fresh market in Austin. Um, and then I was uh, uh, lucky enough to be brought on by the Fair Food Network, which is an organization based in Ann Arbor. But um, our programming is throughout the state of Michigan. Um, and I've been uh, here for about uh, six months. And um, I'm really excited to be um, meeting you guys and, and uh, uh, lots of folks through the, the Governor's Food Security Council and um, seeing as much of the state as I can, given circumstances. Excellent. I've been to Austin quite a few times in my life. You know, I know that their slogan is to keep Austin weird. Uh, we'll, we'll just let that one pass, but we're glad. But you are right about Michigan women, for sure. I fell in love with a Michigan woman and been freezing my tail end off ever since. But well, I was going to say, any pro tips on layering uh, hoodies, jackets, you know, any, any Yeah, you're going to have to talk to the youper here about yeah, that, for and sure. And let me just say, it doesn't even get cold in, in the south part of Michigan. I mean, come on. And, and, to put it in, and, and to put it in perspective, guys, I remember growing up in Austin, we had school canceled for three days in a row once because of ice, because it got below freezing and then some of the water froze. <laughs> Hey, I, yeah. my understanding is in some of those southern states, if you spill a glass of ice, they cancel school. Uh, <laughs> with, not well, the with only Zoom, salt. no more snow days. Yeah, uh, the only salt's on the table. Let me just say it like yeah. that. There's none for the roads. Well, Alex, that's a great story. Glad you're here. You're a young man, and um, you've met with our uh, director of research and strategic studies, um, strategic initiatives, Dr. Dawn Opal. And um, so, you know, you passed the Dawn test for sure. She thinks a lot of you, and uh, and we're excited that you're in Michigan. And it's exciting, too, for Jerry and I to, you know, we're a little long in the tooth here. And for us to see uh, young men, young women uh, coming alongside of this work um, at many different angles and investing their one handful of life on how do we create food security across our state. It's inspiring, and it's great to have you here in Michigan. 
Well, I'll certainly second that uh, idea. I mean, we all know that the only way to have a food secure community is to bring people smarter than we are to take it over when we're done, right? I mean, so we, we're going to get a lot done, and we've gotten a lot done, and we're really proud of our work, but we know there's still a, there's still a little bit of work left to do, and we're excited to have people who can, who can do even more. And so uh, I'm really interested in, in your thoughts about that as you're, you know, you've been in this work for a while, you, you've been around poverty issues, you've been around different ways to support people who are, who are needing support at different times in their life. And I'm certainly eager to hear your perspective now that you're in Michigan and, and working specifically on it here. Absolutely. I think what jumps out to me, having done this work in Texas and then uh, moving to, to Michigan and seeing this state with, with beginner's eyes is the opportunity around fruits and vegetables. That in Texas, there used to be a, a very vibrant fruit and vegetable industry. And then a whole mixture of factors, trade and the like, um, some environmental challenges led to the fruit and vegetable industry in Texas shrinking a lot in the last 30 years. Michigan is, is home to some of the most vibrant and productive fruit and vegetable farms in the whole country. And so I think that one, the, one of the things that's, that's been impressed on me in the last couple of months is, is just if we can coordinate our efforts at the state level, the federal level, and between organizations like Fair Food Network, Food Bank Council, a lot of the work that the farmers markets, Eastern Market, um, are doing a lot of the markets in the western part of the state, um, that we can really nourish ourselves here in Michigan with the, with the produce that we're growing. So that's one of the, the things that we're really focusing on at the Fair Food Network is trying to create um, a vision for food security where farmers um, and the people that work around agriculture and food processing are able to generate community-level wealth um, while, while feeding people. So I think that the short answer to your question is, is I'm excited about all the fruit and vegetable farms, and I'm excited by how enthusiastic the farmers are and the farmers market managers are um, to try to get the state's ag producers involved in these issues. Jerry, you know, I, I noticed that um, with with Alex's emphasis there on fresh, um, there's probably some uh, need for clarity about even the amount of fresh food that our food banks across the state are distributing because it's, it's changed in 40 years, right? I mean, there's been a lot of shelf stable in the beginning, but really in the last few years, uh, the, the emphasis has switched totally. Well, it's the best opportunity when you start looking at where food comes from. So, um, and, and of course, in the, in the food banking world, the whole food supply chain is what we look at to say, where are our best opportunities to help people? And so we know that there's, you know, 72 billion-ish pounds of food in the food supply chain that go to waste annually, and that food banks are getting about 5 billion of those pounds now. Now, we know that some of the food that goes to waste is, is food that food banks can't use real well, wheat and, and uh, soybeans, you know, things that need some level of processing before we can actually get them to families. So it's not a simple picture, but nonetheless, um, there's a lot of food available in the food supply chain if we could figure out how to unlock it. The most significant chunk for us is in fruits and vegetables, right? It's, I would say, fruits, vegetables, fluid milk is another one um, that, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity there for us to really figure out. But what goes hand in hand with that is that it's also the food that people want and need. And so when we think about our work, we know our work has no value if we distribute food that people don't eat. 
people need to be eating the food that they get, right? Otherwise, it has no value. So when, when, we, when we look at fresh and we look at the opportunity that fresh, healthy, nutritious produce has, it coincides with what the people we serve say, this is what I would like more of, and they would like it more often too. You, you know, a lot of our pantries are only allowing people to come once a month because that's all the resources they have. But fresh food, you need every week. Most people at least weekly get fresh produce, milk, eggs, those kinds of things. And so it's really important to address um, the fresh part of the food supply chain, both from a waste standpoint and from an opportunity to serve people what they want the most and that's best for their health. So it's a, it's a magical combination. And I'm a big fan of Fresh, but I'm going to put in a quick plug for a company that I just became familiar with and I've started buying a lot of their stuff is Michigan Farm to Freezer. Um, that I think we're finding, and I'm not a nutritionist, you know, by by training, but flash freezing technology and food pro minimal food processing is really important in Michigan. That you can preserve uh, the harvest, whether it's fruit, vegetables, uh, frozen, you know. And, and as a youper, you can appreciate how short the growing season up is <laughs> in northern Michigan. Um, but <laughs> right. Michigan farm to freezer, it's really good. I mean, you can get Michigan grown strawberries year round; they taste delicious. Um, and that's something that I that I'm really excited about. Yeah, we just finished a project with them. Actually, um, the state of Michigan invested with us, uh, I think it was about $2.3 million to investigate the entire industry of individually quick frozen foods. And uh, we discovered a lot, not, not everything we liked, but we discovered that there is some opportunity there and we've been capturing that now for the last few years. It's a great point, Alex. Hey, that's Jerry Brisson, Alex Canepa. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back in just a moment. You come back and be with us too. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Welcome back. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here, and our guest, uh, doc, Mr. Dr. Alex um, Bishop. Oh, I do that to Jerry all the time. I name, I give him all these titles. Sorry, Alex Canepa, who is the director that's, that's of policy. That's two hundred thousand dollars worth of school you just gave me, Phil. Yeah, you're, well, you know, there you go. Um, you're the director of policy for the Fair Food Network, and you're also a member of Governor Whitmer's Foods uh, Security Council, on which we serve together. So let's talk a little bit about that work, Alex, if we could. Um, and what do you see as possibilities? Uh, for this group that the governor has appointed and brought together? And what are some of the hopes that you have? And I know we've discussed this a bit in our call, um, just me and you, uh, a few weeks ago. And I, I, was, I was thankful for your perspective. So maybe you'll share that with Jerry and the rest of our listeners. Absolutely. Um, so a few months ago, the governor uh, brought together a group of people from all different backgrounds in the food system, some grocers, uh, some farmers market managers, food bank people, um, uh, university folks, uh, myself, um, to uh, work together for the next, or at the time, 18 months, now I've got about 15 months left, um, to create two reports to advise the state. And the, the hope is that any administration, regardless of party and the legislature, can look back at these two reports that we're going to issue and that's going to be a roadmap towards food security. And our hope is that all of the lessons that we've learned the hard way and, and some of the, the stories that you've shared, Phil, in the early days of, of the pandemic and how close we came in some locations to, you know, there not being enough food 
to meet the need, um, to make sure that, that if, if and when, God forbid, there is another crisis, that the state is ready and that they've learned um, the lessons that we can impart having, having lived these last couple months and sort of dealt with a lot of the stuff that might not have been apparent to us then. You know, in my program, uh, we um, use tokens, double up tokens, and there was an incredible need that we weren't anticipating at the beginning of the year. So we needed to order more tokens. And um, if we document all the steps that we've taken in our organizations to meet the need, our hope is that then we can equip the state going forward to, to meet those, those emergency needs. Um, and then if we're living in this world and, and, and doing this work at the community level, we know that food insecurity didn't and hunger and, and poverty didn't start with the pandemic. It made it worse, but it didn't start with the pandemic. And so uh, I think that I speak for the other members of the council and that over the next 15 months in our final report, we want to make sure that even when the economy and, you know, air quotes here gets back to normal, that we're not leaving anyone behind and that we're um, creating state policy uh, and then the public and private sector are working together to make sure that there are fewer people um, facing food insecurity um, when the economy is indeed able to recover. So, Jerry, that's that uh, Alex's thoughts on both the COVID aspect of this work and also the um the larger issue of food insecurity let's start there at the larger issue if we could um you know when we when this pandemic hit um we had 1.3 million people in our state that were struggling with food insecurity that is to know that they did they didn't know where their next meals were coming from now you know, we've been working over the top of that during COVID, over the 1.3 million people. But hey, let's let's don't forget that 1.3 million people is unacceptable, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, you know, when when looking at an issue like food insecurity, you've got to look at the cost benefit of solving it, right? And one of the biggest benefits to solving it is it's so much cheaper than letting it continue. I mean, there's so much food available, and food is available relatively inexpensively compared to education issues or behavioral problems or health concerns or other things that happen when you let uh, food insecurity persist. And so one of the things I really hope comes from the work of the, um, the commission is a a better understanding of the cost of not solving the problem. Because I think there's a lot of research that points to the incredible cost. And and so putting money in at the beginning and really helping kids thrive in school, I mean, how can that be bad, right? And so I I really hope that 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 becomes part of that bigger conversation about why is food insecurity so important to solve? Absolutely. We always say you can pay the farmer now or the doctor later. And if you think this food's expensive, you should see how expensive insulin is. Yeah, right. I mean, that's right. And what's and the stats on diabetes are just astounding. I mean, the percentage of people that will have type 2 diabetes is growing exponentially based on the things that we eat. And so, again, it, the, the food is medicine. And, of course, health is only one of the things. I mean, the, the, the psychological damage done to kids when they don't know if they're going to get all the meals they need at home, the way parents feel when they have to manage this problem. And, yeah, we, we know parents have to be part of the solution. They're a huge part of the solution. But we can make it so much easier. And we can take hunger off the table. And again, you know, obviously I'm a preacher on this topic. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I, you know, I'm so excited about the work of the commission to highlight 
some of the real key reasons why the investment to solve this pays back such huge dividends. Alex, that's right up your alley there in, uh, as director of policy. So uh, what's your reaction to, it's, it's, you know, as you said, it's, uh, I'm, I wrote that one down. What, you can pay the farmer early or you can pay the doctor later. Is, is, you know, we, and we just had a, a medical doctor on the show a few weeks ago who, who had this very message specifically about diabetes. So yeah. what, what's the future here? So one thing that we're working on at the Fair Food Network is to try to quantify the potential savings. Because once you can start to demonstrate savings, then you can start designing, you can start making the case that these policies are warranted policies that, that advance health. Um, and then also we can quantify the long-term unfunded expenditures that we have. You know, the unfunded liabilities to the state, to the federal government, to individual households, to cities for everyone being sick with diabetes, or even 20% of the people being sick with diabetes, you know, in the next 30 years is, is incredible. Um, I think one thing from a research perspective that we're finding is it's really difficult. We talk about the social determinants of health. It's really difficult to isolate one variable that can impact health savings over the long term. You know, if I start eating my five vegetables a day, but then I also start smoking two packs of Marlboro Reds a day, that might be a wash. Even though I'm eating, <laughs> even though I'm eating well, I'm adopting other unhealthy behaviors. And so I think one of the things that excites me about this work going forward is trying to figure out, can we quantify the savings to the state, to you know, the federal government, to local governments, and to, and to private insurers, um, if we are able to get a handle on, on nutrition? Um, so again, I'm not, I'm not promising that it's going to be easy to, to, to find that, but from a policy planning perspective, if we can start identifying cost savings through nutrition, um, that, that's, that's really exciting to me. Well, we definitely think that's the future for food banking, and um, that's our pursuit. And Jerry at Gleaners and our other food banks around the state have been working in those in that healthcare world now for several years, developing just what you're talking about: data that proves the concept, research that demonstrates the savings. And we definitely see that as a huge part of our work moving forward. Fellows, we got to take a quick break here, but we're going to come back. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Nyack. Our guest, Alex Canepa, the Director of Policy at the Fair Food Network and a member of Governor Whitmer's Food Security Council. We're all three back in just a moment. Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're back here on Food First Michigan. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. Alex Canepa, the Director of Policy at the Fair Food Network and a member of the Governor Whitmer's Food Security Council. So, um, Alex, let's let's look inside of COVID. During the, these days of the pandemic, you know, we had an early onslaught. Uh, we've learned how to live in work inside the pandemic. We're not out of it yet. Uh, our forecasts show that we expect elevated levels of uh, or the number of people who are food insecure in the state to last through June of 2022. And um, I'm wondering if you guys are seeing some of the same things at your organization. And, um, and, you know, uh, you can see from my background on Zoom, our listeners can't, but, you know, winter is coming here in Michigan. Well, and, it looks like you're in Middle Earth, Phil. <laughs> good, good, for sure. <laughs> Most days, as a matter of fact. Um, so, uh, like, 
like, what are you guys seeing about winter and how are we going to be able to, uh, how is the Fair Food Network going to be able to come alongside of folks during these, these cooler and colder days? So I think that the, your projection that food, that we're going to see heightened food insecurity going on for a few years, even after there is a vaccine jives with, with our planning. Uh, what we saw during the last crisis is that unemployment in Michigan uh, during the Great Recession peaked in 2009, but it wasn't until 2013 that uh, peak uh, uh, enrollment in SNAP. Uh, we, Michigan saw peak enrollment in SNAP. So we know that there's a lag time. People exhaust their savings first. You know, SNAP may be one of the last benefits people go on. Um, so uh, I think that as the economy gets disrupted long term, we're kind of seeing the long term settling effects of that. We're anticipating um, food insecurity lasting lasting for, for a good a good while. Um, in terms of uh, this summer, we saw um, a lot, a lot, a lot of use. Um, uh, we were able to to respond to it. Um, and I think that we're um, uh, anticipating. I mean, the fear, the fear is uh, with this thing frequently is is the not knowing versus the knowing, and so a lot of our planning has been to try to make sure that we've got the resources on hand and our staff is prepared for the unexpected. Um, this this spring and summer, it was a lot of panic buying, um, people doing a month's worth of shopping on uh, a single trip to the market or the grocery store. Uh, moving forward in the winter, um, we're seeing that a lot of our farmers markets are you know winding down um, and, and sort of going through their usual season, but a lot are staying open. A lot are realizing that there is intense food security needs. And so some of the farmer's markets are going to stay open um, uh, at least through December. And then uh, the grocery stores, uh, most are open year round. Um, and so that's one of the big programmatic changes that uh, the program that, that our organization runs, Double Up Food Bucks, made is that it's now uh, available in recognition that we do have a shorter growing season in Michigan. Um, Double Up Food Bucks is available at um, a select number of grocery stores. And you can find, uh, for, for your listeners who might not be familiar with the program, if you're on anyone with a bridge card, um, if, you've, if your listeners have a bridge card or, or love somebody who does, um, anyone with a bridge card can participate in the program. And uh, www.doubleupfoodbucks.org is where you can find the local grocery store or farmer's market near you where you can, you can use those benefits. And just to be clear, Alex, those benefits are available in grocery stores all year or only on when it's not in season? All year. All year. So what we do is we work with grocers to help them uh, get get Michigan grown produce in the door. So we only work with grocers that make a real commitment to sourcing locally, sourcing Michigan grown. Um, but we want to make sure that that we're able to get produce to people who really need it. And if they if they if they live next to a farmers market that may be closed for six months out of the year, um, we want to make sure that people can get fresh produce in the winter. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. You know, Jerry, when Governor Whitmer was on the show uh, back then, she was candidate. Whitmer, right? It was right after she had announced her candidacy for governor. And we talked about this idea on the show of a food security czar or a food security council. And, you know, now it's manifested. And this partnership that's being illustrated, it's like everybody has a role to play here. You've said it for years that this is a community problem and it'll take the community to solve it. And that means everybody doing their part. And while food banks are able to do a lot of to scale large amounts of food, it takes it takes everybody coming together like Fair Food Network, like, um, you know, some of the gardening projects across the state. It's it's everybody's got a role to play here. And I think that I don't know, maybe your prophecy from that show is coming true. (laughs) Well, I I will say this. Um, There's been so many great people who have 
uh, piece of the vision to add on this show. And it's such an honor to do this with you, Dr. Phil, week after week as we get introduced to more and more people who have spent, as you like to say, their handful of life helping to solve this issue for our community. It was an honor to have candidate and then Governor Whitmer on the show. And also, Alex, great to hear about your work with the Double Up um, Food Bucks and also um, the other, you know, sort of comprehensive work that you're doing to help talk about this issue of health and food and and why it's so important for us to be working together. It, it's it's inspiring and exciting, and that's why we do the show. I mean, really. It's, it's uh, I mean, you guys might have the best jobs in Michigan, but but we've, we've all got fun jobs, and uh, it's, it's important work, and uh, I'm really excited that, that, that guys like you have been so generous with your time and, and getting me up to speed. Well, it's, it's all of us together, that's for sure, and I think that was really the vision that we had for the Food Security Council. It was that there would be a backbone, there would be, and Governor Whitmer has provided that. Uh, you know, we hear, we, we've been through the phases and the, um, Jerry and I have been around long enough to know that we've been through the phases of collaboration two or three times. And what's always missing seemingly is a backbone. Someone, some entity that will hold the partners accountable. And that's what the governor's office has, has been, been able to do. In fact, I, I did an interview this week about the Food Security Council uh, with um, with Paula Cunningham of the Michigan AARP and her television show, and I, I said I said to her that this was in the governor's heart long before she was the governor. She's talked about food insecurity and people's basic needs for some time, and this is just being manifested out of those values that she holds. So it's, it's great to do this work. I'm a little encouraged, Jerry, because uh, Alex doesn't have any gray hair. <laughs> and he has hair. <laughs> and he's, he's, he's giving his life to this work right now. So that's inspiring to us, Alex, and um, we thank you for it. We thank you for being on the show with us today, and we'll give you the last word at this segment. Um, anytime, anytime. I'm a lifer. Uh, I born and raised going to farmers markets when I was born. My uh, mom was working for our Texas Department of Agriculture, and so um, this this work is is exciting. And uh, I don't write your epitaphs yet, guys. I want to work with you for another couple of decades. <laughs> Well, we're going to hang around for sure. Um, so he's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is our guest, Alex Canepa. He's the director of policy for the Fair Food Network and a member of the Governor's Food Security Council. Alex, thanks for being with us. Jerry and I are back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here to wrap up this show. Our guest today was Alex Canepa. Jerry, um, young man dedicating his one handful of life to this work. It's kind of encouraging, right? <laughs> I've heard those words before. Yes, indeed. It is very encouraging. And, uh, you know, as you said, Doctor, um, there's so many ways that we can think about how can we tackle this issue of food insecurity. And the truth is, when we can empower people who can go to the store and spend what they want on things that they know their family wants, that's a good strategy. The question is, how much of it should that be part of the strategy compared to the whole? 
How do we get that done everywhere where people need it? How do we make sure people know how to use it? And I know the Fair Food Network is working on all those things to make it make sense. So nice to talk with Alex and uh, and to get a little perspective from him about his work and another piece of the puzzle as we imagine the best way for the safety net to work for everyone who needs it. So there are a lot of components to what we refer to as the safety net. Um, In the monologue, I talked about how those resources came flooding into our state. And uh, to some degree, they're still here, but certainly to a lesser degree than the early days of the pandemic. Um, But there's, there's no one answer here, is there, Jerry? There's no one oh, this silver or bullet that solves all the problems, it's really a a complex answer to a multi-leveled problem. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you know, one of my favorite sayings is the less you know about something, the easier it is to solve, right? (laughs) So, uh, So I think that's particularly true with an issue like food insecurity. We live in one of the wealthiest places on earth, and yet we have a huge percentage of our children who are food insecure, meaning their households don't have enough income to make sure they know where all their meals are coming from. Well, that's not simple. You know, there's education that's part of this. There's the right kind of employment that's part of it. But let's face it, change is part of human existence. There's going to be periods in time when what used to to be a good job just isn't a good job anymore. We've seen it in manufacturing. But, you know, just think about it. It wasn't that long ago when if you were going to be a successful farmer, you had to understand horses. I mean, and it just isn't there anymore. All the work that used to revolve around horses and tack and, you know, and and feed and all that stuff. I mean, obviously, that's not part of farming at all. And so or very little anyway. So, you know, we are going to evolve as a people and as a community. And every time there's an evolution, it leaves some people behind because the, the people that were needed to do that work before could be used for other things now, but that particular work isn't necessary. So, you know, we look at the advances in technology and how that's changing things. And, you know, I don't think there's any future where we're not going to need a safety net. We will always need it. And so our work to figure out what that safety net needs to be is critically important so that we can make sure most people are, you know, able to thrive. Right. Well, I, you know, one of the things that's encouraging to me about this, Jerry, is that um, this vision of, of, that we've all had about how do we align all these resources, programs, people, so that it, it really does come together to meet the need. And, you know, in that process, you're talking about our evolution, we discover some things. And some of those things are not ex- always comfortable. They're not always great. There are some uncomfortable things. So, you know, when you go from, from just from the food bank perspective, when you go from, from averaging 2.6 million pounds distributed every week pre-COVID to an average of 4.6 million and some weeks well over 5 million pounds of food, uh, there's an infrastructure issue there. Um, well, there's, yeah, for, for absolutely for sure. And as we look at where to make the right investments to have the right return so that the safety net is there for everyone all the time, that's a big question. There, it does take infrastructure to distribute food. There's no, it takes trucks, it takes drivers, it takes facilities, right? And yet, at a landed cost for produce at about 15 to 25 cents a pound, 
there's a huge opportunity to take advantage of what's available in the food supply chain at a very low cost. So even with that infrastructure cost, we're able to provide three or four meals for every dollar that we get. That's amazing. And so, yeah, it does have a cost, but let's pay that cost because, man, does it free up a lot of food for a lot of people. It does free up a lot of food, and it has such great impact in the world of healthcare as well as in education. Um, you know, and of these 1.3 million baseline people that are food insecure in our state, three to 400,000 are children. And yeah. I don't think there's any of us that ever want to see that continue. Right. Again, the words child and hunger should never go together. Right. Those are words right. that should never be put together in a sentence. We should not have hungry children. There's no good reason for it. And there are definitely affordable ways to solve that part of the problem. Well, I, I'm excited about the future of this work uh, because of young men, young leaders like Alex coming behind us, coming alongside of us. But I'm also excited about, you know, there's, there's still some good years left in us old hats, too. And uh, we're still passionate about this work. We believe that this problem can be solved because you say you can't solve a problem you don't believe can be solved. Well, that's right. And putting the pieces together to get everyone believing is a key part of it. And our, our show here is part of it. And it's exciting to be doing it with you, Doctor. My, my pleasure. My pleasure, Jerry. Time for a little food for thought. Jerry often says lots of smart people are coming alongside of us to do this work and take it to a whole new level of impact. Some of those people are young, smart, principled, and driven, like our guest today, Alex Canepa. Others are older like me and Jerry, who've invested much of our lives in service, and yet there are some, like the sightless Stevie Wonder, who had the vision to help his hungry neighbors. Stevie Wonder has released a new single, Where Is Our Love Song? And all the proceeds will go to Feeding America, our national organization. I downloaded it this morning from Apple Music, and it's classic. Stevie Wonder. It just goes to prove once again we are imperfect people doing meaningful work with a vision of a better tomorrow. We will keep doing this work together and doing our best to keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.